Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. So good to be with you. I've had a wonderful weekend with Rosie up here already. And um, to be honest, I feel a bit kind of undone and very emotional just seeing two boys and their dad. I I really do, because that's how my two boys started, leading worship with me 40 years ago, 30 yeah, 30 years ago, and their songs, you've probably heard of the band Fat Fish, yeah. and uh, their, their songs have gone all over the world. Look after them. <laughs> they are precious. They really are. I honestly feel very overcome <laughs> just watching it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's good, good to be real, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah, well... Coming up here, I thought I'd got a big prophetic word for you, but just having been around, um, I feel God's spoken to me about doing something completely different from what I'd planned. So I have no notes, so this won't be the most structured sermon that you've ever heard, okay? But it will come from the heart, and I believe it's something that will help you and equip you. We're living in a very difficult time, aren't we? And I think most of us are COVID-weary. I know I am. And uh, Rosie and I are hoping to go to France in January on a ski holiday. Well, that was the plan, but who knows? (laughs) Um, it's, It's like so, you know, this latest wave and thinking, not again. Two years, not again. And then alongside that... I guess most of us in our Christian life know that it's not sailing to the skies or going to the skies on flowery beds of ease. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's a battle. But it's a battle in which we have the victory and in which the joy of the Lord is our strength. But sometimes we can feel a bit like the psalmist and wonder where is God? Is he really listening to me? We know he is but somehow deep inside we have this kind of oh Lord where are you? I know you're there but where are you? My prayers don't seem to be being answered. Anybody feel like that occasionally? Yeah, quite a few of us. Well, what I want to do is to talk to you from Psalm 40, where David is expressing just some of those thoughts, going through some of those emotions. And I want to try and show you from this psalm how David coped with that and how he found God in a bit of emotional distress. And uh, now not all of us may be going through emotional distress, and uh, we're not all, but I know sometimes we go through situations and circumstances in life where it's not easy. 
and I think, to be honest, right across the nation, uh, at the moment, people are struggling. And so, here we go. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He inclined to me... He inclined to me and heard my cry. Now, this is quite an amazing statement. I waited patiently for the Lord. Sometimes when you hear preachers preach about things like faith and the prophetic, and it's, it's all almost like all you've got to do is touch the prayer button and God will act. But here we see David in a situation where it's almost as though He's questioning whether God is hearing him. He's saying, I've waited patiently. Now, I don't know if you sing that lovely worship song here, um, Waiting Here For You. Do you sing that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, When that song first came out, it created quite a lot of controversy because why do we have to wait for God? Surely God is omnipresent, always with us. And of course, he is always with us. He never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he's always there. But the problem is that we don't always feel that he's there. And so there is what I call God's realised presence. Now God's realised presence, it's not theological rocket science, it's that we realise that he's there. (laughs) So he is there, but we need to tune into the fact that he is and realise that he's there. Now we can do that by praise and by worship, by reading the word, and we realise that his presence is with us. So we realise that he's there. But there's a third stage, and this is a great stage, and that is where it brooks no argument. He is there, and you feel his presence. It's what we call God's manifest presence. Now sometimes you might be in a worship time and you might kind of think, yeah, we're singing the songs, but there comes that moment where, wow, God's here. Well, of course he's here because he's always here, but you are somehow tuned in in a way where you feel his presence. And so the first thing that we learn about coping with our situations in life is that there is this progression that God is always with us because he's omnipresent. We realise that he's with us when we communicate with him, maybe put on a worship album or read a scripture or just pray and we realise that he's there. But there is a third stage when he's really turned up and you know it. And I would encourage you to do what David did. I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, I'm not the most patient person, especially when it comes to computer technology. And you forget your password, 
and you're filling in a form and then some other hope you've got to jump to. Now my generation are not very good at that and I can get very irritable and impatient. It's the closest I get to losing my sanctification. But no, patience, <laughs> patience actually is something that we need to learn in the spiritual life. And in fact, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now the next line is wonderful. It says, He inclined to me and heard my cry. Now that to me speaks, it gives me a picture of God kind of leaning on his hand and just bending over and I'm listening. It's all right, my child, I am actually listening. He inclined his ear towards me. And we need to know that God's inclination is always towards us. He loves us. We're his kids. He puts his arms around us. He knows us. He knows the pressures. He knows the trials. He knows that family situation. He knows about that upset at work. He knows about that difficult child. He knows and he's inclined towards us. He's a father. He loves us. Now, the next statement is very interesting. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. I've got a picture to show you. Now, you are not to laugh, but I know you won't be able to help yourself. That is me. It was about four weeks ago. And uh, where we live in Horsham, well, we live in a little village just outside of Horsham. And uh, it's in the 50s, it was a very famous industrial area in the south. We did have our, some of our industrial bits. And there was a brickworks there. Now that brickworks has completely disappeared and it's now a beautiful country park with all sorts of walks off it. And Rosie and I, during lockdown, have found these amazing country walks right from our front door that we didn't even know existed. Anyway, we were on a country walk and we dev- I deviated from the main path, went down another path, stepped off it and was walking across some leaves when suddenly I found myself in a hole with the mud coming up over my trousers, down my trousers, and I was totally stuck. So I wriggled about a bit to try and get myself out. I managed to get myself into about that position there, which is just above my knees. But because it was a brickworks, the the soil there is clay, and it's a very, very cloying, muddy clay. I couldn't get out. Now, Rosie was a little bit away, so I started to shout, Rosie, Rosie, but she couldn't hear me. A man came by, 
and uh, he, he was walking his dog and I think he thought it was a bit funny and didn't realise that I was actually stuck um, and then uh, another couple came by and uh, Ro- Rosie was fetched and anyway with this m- other couple they phoned the fire brigade so the fire brigade showed up um, and there was about four or five, five of f- four firemen. Rosie always makes sure that I get the story absolutely right. Um, four firemen, uh, they put a rope round me and pulled. <laughs> and it was like being on the torture rack because my feet were stuck in it and I couldn't get out. Um, they, they couldn't pull me out. And I thought, they're going to break my feet. They're, my tendons are all going to be pulled. And anyway, they couldn't get me out. So they phoned what are called the emergency rescue services. So they came. Um, and I don't know how many of them there were, but what the way they got me out was they had this kind of long uh, thing, like a, a long poker with holes in that blew air. And so they jabbed this thing right down and it blew air out to loosen the mud. In the end there were 14 (laughs) (laughs) and I was eventually pulled out. So I looked pretty mucky. I was trying to get the stuff out with my hands and I put it that picture on my Facebook page and I think there were about 80 or 90 comments all quoting Psalm 40 (laughs) and all saying Dave you would do anything for a sermon illustration (laughs) that wasn't quite the intention now okay it was in retrospect it was all quite amusing at the time it wasn't quite as amusing as it looked In recent months, I've been going through, and it's why I've said this at the beginning, quite a difficult time with a feeling of the enemy getting at me. And um, it's not that I'd done anything wrong or anything. I was walking with God. I was still preaching and uh, involved in ministry. But it felt like, now Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 when he's talking about the armour of God talks about standing in an evil day. Now you will find in your Christian life that there will be seasons when it feels like an evil day and things might go wrong maybe some relationships might even break down but things conspire against you now I want you to know that God in his sovereignty allows that to happen to us so that we can be strengthened in him and we stand firm Paul says stand firm in the evil day now I've been going through a little bit of an evil day and then this incident happens. So, a couple of nights later, I had a dream. Now, God speaks to me in dreams sometimes. Sometimes he 
speaks to me with words of knowledge about people and I can go to them and minister to them and help them. Um, sometimes God speaks to me prophetically in dreams about situations. And God spoke to me in a dream about me and about my evil day. Now in this dream, uh, and I was in a very, very deep sleep, in this dream I was playing cricket. Now I love cricket and I was batting. The only problem was the team we were playing against, the bowler, was one of these guys, like huge Rambo type guy, covered in tattoos, an evil look in his eye, and he wasn't dressed in cricket whites, okay? And he was not bowling at the wicket, he was bowling at me. And I was kind of ducking and weaving and trying to dodge this cricket ball. And then I saw the rest of his team in battle dress with machine guns and they were kind of doing all these kind of keep fit exercises and then picking up their guns and pointing them at, at me and like it was as real as you're sitting here this dream and then um, it was like I was put in a bag and the bag was tied at the top and the bag was swinging and all these guys got up with their guns and their bayonets and started charging the bag. But suddenly I burst out of the bag and pointed at them and said, I love Jesus Christ and you cannot touch me. And then they all dispersed and I woke up. <laughs> so that was quite a dramatic dream. <laughs> and it did actually identify what emotionally I'd been going through in recent weeks. And then, when I got the... Yeah, it was early in the morning. I woke up and uh, about five o'clock and I got out of bed and thought, I'm really going to seek God. God's spoken to me through this dream. What is God saying? Now, let me just tell you an important principle about the Bible, okay? The Bible is God's word and it's God speaking to us. And I'll say a bit more about that in, in a minute. Um, by the way, I didn't notice what time I'd started, so please press the button and say stop. <laughs> that, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, I got my Bible out. I was in, I've got a studio at home and uh, I went into my studio and opened my Bible and I began to read Psalm 40 and God began to speak to me and say to me, yes, you've been going through an evil day and I've brought you out of that Maori pit and what happened with this is me showing you what I've lifted you out of. And I began to read this psalm, and uh, it's 17 verses, and for the next hour, probably hour and a half, I preached to myself from the psalm. Just to myself, the word of God. So what I'm passing on now is what God showed me. So, look at this. He drew me up from the pit of destruction 
out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Now the first thing that I want to say is that Jesus is on every page of the Bible if you look for him. And what we see here in this short verse is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has gone down into the mess and bog of our sin. He's gone through death. He's gone through the most horrendous things in order for us to be lifted out. Because he was raised from the dead, from the bog, from the miry clay, by his Father. God, the Father, raised Jesus from the dead. It's a picture, it's a small cameo picture of what Jesus has done for us in saving us so that we can be lifted out of our miry bog. And every one of us, before we were saved, were in that bog. Because you can't save yourself. You can't by trying to work it out intellectually or in any other way, find God. It's that God finds us. Now that's an amazing thing, that in the depth of our sin and our separation from God, he finds us and he speaks to us and he wakes us up and brings us to Jesus. And Jesus, who's gone through the miry clay, through the pit of destruction for us, and was raised by his Father, now lifts us out. And that's what it means to be saved. You're placed, your feet on a rock. It's amazing. <coughs> so that's where we are. But then it goes on to say, He put a new song in my mouth... A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Now, how many of you know Jesus sings? See, Jesus was lifted in his resurrection and in his exaltation to the throne of his Father. He was given a name that is above every name. He is the one who rules and reigns over everything. He is the one who saved us. And we now are his children. We're his sons and daughters. We actually have his DNA. We are his kids. We are made like him. And you know, Jesus is so pleased about that. He sings to the Father a song about us. So imagine that, you know, so what's Jesus' voice like? You know, I, I, I love Sting's voice, so I think he's got a great voice. Does he sound like Sting? Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> what does he sound like? Well, I was say, saying this yesterday uh, in, in the School of Ministry. You sing from your body. So where is the body? It's us. So Jesus sings his song in us. So when we're singing our worship songs, what we're doing is joining in the song that Jesus is singing. 
And when we sing in the Spirit and we sing in tongues, we are joining in the song that Jesus is singing. And it's a song of praise to our God. Now, what is praise? Now, a lot of people glibly say, praise the Lord. Something good happens, oh, praise the Lord, or praise the Lord. And sometimes that can be a bit superficial. Now, my wife Rosie, sitting on the front row, we've been married 53 years, and one of the things, one of the many, 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 many attributes that she has is that she is a brilliant cook, and she's very, very hospitable, and she takes a lot of care in the way that she cooks. And so, like, we recently had a curry, and she blended the spices, and, oh, it was absolutely amazing. And she makes some of the most amazing sweets, and people love coming to our, to our house. And uh, how, how many of you would like to come to dinner? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Would you like to come? That's really good. Now, what am I doing? I am praising Rosie, and on the basis of my praise of her, I'm inviting you to my house. What I don't do is go around saying, praise the wife, <laughs> because you think I've gone bonkers. Okay? I don't say, praise the wife. What I do is I give praise substance so that you know what she's like. So praising the Lord is not just saying, praise the Lord, it's actually praising him. Now there is an evangelistic side to praise. Now praise is what we do, praise and worship is what we do when we're in the church, when we're gathered, and we sing our songs of worship, we sing our songs of praise. That's great, it's good to do that. It's important that we do that. But what about praising the Lord to our neighbours? Not just saying praise the Lord, but tell our neighbours how good he is. Tell, tell our neighbours what he's like. So, he's lifted us up out of the miry pit, put us on a rock, and Jesus is our rock, and he's put a new song in our mouth, it's the song that Jesus is singing, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So, that's what God taught me through that experience and I'm passing it on to you because I think, I know, it's going to be relevant probably to everybody in this room. We need to know what we've been lifted from because the spiritual life is not promised to be easy and there will still be times when we have to battle. There will be still, there's an old hymn which says, Days of darkness still come o'er me, sorrow's path I often tread, but the Saviour still is with me. By his grace I am now led. So remember that in the battle of life, God is with you, he loves you, he's gone through the miry clay, and he will put your feet on a rock because of what he's done and I'm just going to conclude with this thought and there's so much that I could say from this psalm and it says in verse 6 
in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted. Now, what does that mean? It means don't be religious. Okay? Don't be religious. This is about relationship. In sacrifice and offering you've not delighted. But, listen to this. You have given me an open ear. Now, the Hebrew translation of that, or if you were reading that in Hebrew, it would read like this, and it's very strange. It says, You have dug out my ear. I don't know if you've ever been clogged with earwax. It's an absolute pain. I used to get it a lot. I've found a way of managing that now. Um, one nurse told me it was because I used to play in rock bands in the 60s and 70s with loud amplification and it's probably done something to my ear. I don't know if that's true, but that's what she said. Anyway, it's a nuisance because it suddenly creeps up on you and you can't hear, and you have to get the earwax out. They have to be very careful, and I know we have a nurse sitting here who will say, be careful what you say about digging into your ear. <laughs> so you have to go and get it treated properly. And the relief that comes when that earwax is out is just enormous. It's like, oh, I can hear again. <laughs> it's amazing. Now that's the sense in which this Hebrew expression, that's what it, it means. Now what does that mean? It means that God is a speaking God and he wants us to hear him. Now how does he speak? Well this is a prime way. It is a prime way that he speaks. Sometimes he speaks to us prophetically and God actually speaks in a voice to us. And that's great, but always check that with the word and make sure that what you're hearing is actually sound and scriptural. Always do that. He might speak to you through another person, through another person's testimony. And I believe God is speaking to you this morning through what I'm saying to you. I believe that is God's word for you this morning. He's dug out our ears. So he's brought us out of the miry clay. He's dug out our ears. We can listen to him and... This ends up with a great sense of rejoicing. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And may those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. And then he adds this little tag on the end. As for me, I am poor and needy. Yep, we know. But the Lord takes thought for me. He sums it all up with that. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So from patiently waiting, he's now in the position where he's saying, okay God, I'm here. Don't delay.